0: Here we are in part four of our Lost in the Wild series. Now for the past several weeks, we've been talking about how to find or how to discover our identity in Jesus. That's what this series has been all about. We'll we'll wrap it up. Next week will be the, the end of the series. We were supposed to be in our Revelation series right now. We started almost a year ago in the book of Revelation. We're taking our time. But then I really felt like God said, just hold off on that until after Easter because our identity, who we are, is one of the most important factors as a Christian because it is the identity, it is our identity of a person that God saw well before we were born. There's numerous passages that that speak of the fact that God saw us before we were born. The moment conception takes place, God says, "Now it's happening." And then we're born, but we're born of a sinful nature on, on, on a, on a, 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 in, in an earthly realm where everything is kind of broken. We, we've, we, we've talked about this in the past sermons, so if, if you're not, if you've missed them, you know, go back and listen to them. Everything right now is, is, is tarnished because of sin. And we have free will. We have that that God gave us free will, so we can choose. The moment we choose Jesus, then God says, the person I saw you as when you were conceived, before you were even conceived, is now going to come to fruition. The moment we put our faith in Jesus, our identity in him begins to come alive. It's our true identity. It's who we were created to be. It's what we were born to do on this earth within the, in the kingdom of God, for the kingdom of God, in our earthly realm around us. Like I'm a pastor, I live in Reynoldsburg, I, I wouldn't expect that I myself could make a difference in Dallas, Texas. But I can do something right here in my community. I can do something in the earthly realm where God has placed me to usher in the kingdom of God so that people can experience what I experience in him. Amen? Here's why this is so important. The one thing, the devil. right? We, we've got, we have an enemy, Satan, the devil. He is the, the ultimate enemy of God. The ultimate story of good versus evil. Better than any superhero movie you can watch. Because this one's for real. We have an enemy that hates us. And if he can get our identity from being revealed to us or being discovered within us or, or just skewed. If he can do that, keep us from discovering our identity in Jesus, he will keep us from doing all that it is that God has for us to do for him and that he wants to do through us. That's the ultimate plan for the, for, for, for the opposing team. Now today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about what happens when we are missing our identity. Now, just to kind of just to kind of give you a little analogy, is anybody here familiar with a, a well known character who lives in a pineapple under the sea? Come on, Elric, I knew you'd know this. Who knows SpongeBob SquarePants? Alright? Man, when I started watching him, which was well into my adult life. I was like, I can, I like this guy. He's a goofy, he's a sponge. He lives in a pineapple under the sea and his best buddy, Patrick, right, this goofball starfish, I don't know which one of them is smarter than the other, they do life together. Well one episode, you know, so I came across this in my studies for this sermon, Missing Identity, and there pops up Spongebob, I'm like, oh, I'm going to work Spongebob into a sermon. There's an episode all about Spongebob's missing identity. Apparently he lost his name tag. He couldn't remember who he was. So he and Patrick go on these adventures trying to backtrack where he might have left his name tag. Well, throughout the episode, he, he loses a little bit more of who he is, a little bit more of his identity, and he slowly starts losing his sanity. And I think that is a good analogy as to what happens when we don't really understand who we were created to be. We have an identity, but we haven't really dialed it in in Jesus. And to be quite honest, sometimes we start losing it up here a little bit because we don't really know what we should be doing with ourselves. In search of our true identity, we often find ourselves as somebody that we were not meant to be. Last week, we, we talked about the title of last week's sermon was Identity Indicators. And these were things in our lives that, that helped form our identity, things that we didn't have any control over, like our DNA and, and our family atmosphere, our upbringing, some of the consequences we deal with. And then there are choices that we kind of cause, our relationships, the connections we make. Some of these, we don't have a choice in, but it helps form and it feeds our identity. And then... When we, be, when, we, when we put our faith in Jesus, then we start finding out our identity in Jesus. And all these things prior to that begin to feed into that. But when we're like Spongebob looking for a misplaced identity, a lot can happen in that process. For instance, we can take on the identity of our career we can take on the identity of our relationships our social surroundings or we can even create our own identity that is far from who Jesus sees us as it's easy to get to get wrapped in what we think our identity should be it's it's easy to get wrapped around that and so today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about we're going to look at a person in the Bible who lived most of his life with a case of mistaken identity until he had a radical encounter with Jesus. We're going to look at a guy by the name of Paul, the Apostle Paul, and his journey in discovering his identity in Jesus. Now, we're going to start in the end, and we're going to kind of work our way back because before he was Paul, he was Saul. Saul of Tarsus was where he was from, and he was a Jewish religious leader. He was a Pharisee. And as a religious leader, he followed the law of God to a fault. And listen to what he, he says to uh, the, the Galatians. Now also, he wrote most of the New Testament. So, but, but we're just going to start with a little something that he says to the church of Galatia. I'm going to read it and then I'll put a little context to it. It's in uh, chapter 2, verse 19. Paul says, For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all its requirements so that I might live for God. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, Why did Paul feel the need to explain this to the Galatians? Well, this was a church that he had established, and he writes a letter to them because some false teachings had crept into the church that were saying, hey, in order to be a Christian, you still have to adhere to the Jewish customs. You still have to follow the Jewish customs. And Paul was like, no, you don't. This is different now. So Paul uses this opportunity to share how he was missing out on his true identity by following the law of the Old Testament as a Jewish religious leader, as a Pharisee. And this is what he means in in verse 19 when he says, For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. What is happening here is that Paul found himself living a life that no matter how hard he tried to stay in the lines, he could not measure up. He, his life had become performance driven. Much like many of us who are missing out on our true identity of Jesus. And then what happens is, when it becomes performance driven, there's always one more thing to achieve, one more thing to work toward. We seek constant validation from others. We need to know from somebody else that, am I doing good? Did you like what I did? It's performance-driven. Your identity is in what their answer is. Their answer to your question feeds their identity. And what happens is this then gives us an elevated sense of who we are. Our achievements and validation from others begins to feed our identity. And we live in this endless cycle of trying to be someone we're never going to measure up to. And in Paul's case, it was a religious identity. But I got news for you. The Bible says all of us fall short of the glory of God. None of us measure up to God's glorious standards. That's why we need Jesus. That's what Paul discovered. And for some of us, our identity may also maybe be found in our career. Maybe it's in our relationships. That's an endless cycle because we go from relationship to relationship to relationship. And our identity is like schizophrenic. It's just all over the place. We don't know who we are. Because that new person in our life begins to validate how we feel about ourselves or don't feel about ourselves. Maybe it's sports. Our identity is in sports. Maybe we're an athlete. Maybe it's it's power. Maybe it's wealth. Or maybe you're like Paul, trying to measure up to God's standards and always coming up short. I'm a good Christian. I do all these things for the church. I do this, I do that, I do that. And it becomes performance-based because you're seeking the validation of those around you and they tell you you're doing a good job and and, and it's all about what you're doing for the church instead of your relationship with Jesus and what he wants to do through you. Does that make sense? This is the difference between everything else out there and following Jesus. See, in Jesus, he teaches us, he guides us through life, he leads us through life, he helps us through those rough patches, he's with us in all that we are going through. So that he can be the one to help us get to an area of contentment and the, tr- and the fullness of our identity begins to come to fruition and it is through his grace and his mercy, and his unconditional love that he has for us, that we begin to find our identity in Jesus. Unconditional love is something that our finite minds as human beings has a hard time grasping. Sometimes we we, we have these stop points, like I can do it to here, I can do it to here. Jesus is unconditional. He forgives, he forgives, and he forgives over and over and over again. You know why? Because we'll never measure up. That's why we need him. Anything outside of Jesus causes us to work for acceptance. Some of us are are trying so hard to be accepted that we have several different identities, depending on who we're hanging out with, depending on where we're at. I'll be this person around this group of people, this person around this group of people, I'm going to church this morning so now I have to be this person. And now the the search for for acceptance has, has become a desperate quest to find significant meaning in life and it will never be found outside of Jesus. What happens in this quest is that we put more value in our existence in life over the existence of those around us we become the important one in life there's more value in what we do in life and in our quest for acceptance we stop seeing the value of people and we are only focused on that which brings significant meaning to the existence of our identity. And in Paul's case, look what happened to him. He writes this to the church in Philippi, Philippians chapter 3. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church and as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without a fault. Paul was so zealous that he thought everything that he was doing was so important for God that he began persecuting those who put their faith in Jesus it became a performance based identity and he he, he got so wrapped into this that he's persecuting innocent people when I think about Saul as who he was at this time when I think about him I have to wonder, like, right, because it, it's like this. When we have a friend that's going off the rails, right, we all see it, and then when everything crashes around, them, they, they go, I don't know how that could have happened. And your friend group is like, we all told you it was going to happen, right? So, like, how many of Paul's friends or family was like, hey, Paul, I, I think you're, you're like, You're starting to lose it here. You're doing things you ought not be doing. Like, you're torturing people. You're killing people in the the name of God. Like, what, what was happening with his relationships around him as he clung so tightly to his faith with such zeal that he couldn't see past who he had become? Paul was not identifying with God He was identifying with the law of God. That's what he was identifying with. His quest for meaning in life had become so focused on tormenting and killing others. And then what what is going on on the inside is that he's lost his identity of who he was born to be god will never call somebody to torment and kill others he would never call us to do that and and, and so a, a good indicator or a good way to measure like where am i at you know as a pastor i'm constantly evaluating my life and evaluating where i'm at and and and, and, and it's not performance based but it's 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 relationship based and i will get to that verse here in a minute but but if, if you're like, am I, is is this hitting home with me? Like, Like, where am I at in all this? Well, begin to evaluate the relationships around you. We ask these questions. We can ask these questions. For instance, have we lost our compassion for others in our quest for meaning in life? Is it no longer about those around me, but all about me? Do we seek the validation of others to feel a sense of self-worth we're constantly asking how did i do did you like that was that good did i do a good job now as children children seek the validation of others as adults we we need to but when we find ourselves in this cycle it could become damaging to those around us so so ask yourself that these are just a couple of like starter questions that we can ask when we're self-evaluating where we're at in our lives. And as we're asking these questions, as we're doing some self-reflection, and, and remember last week we talked about that, that inner voice we have, our consciousness, right? That's the voice that we believe. That's the voice that we will believe the lies too. When people try to speak into our lives and say, hey, you know, I was just a little concerned about, you know, Whatever. We walk away saying, they have no idea what they're talking about with me. Or somebody who wants to speak encouragement in our lives. And then we walk away and we say, I, I'm not that good, I'm, I'm, I'm worthless. We believe that inner voice. So, when we're self-evaluating, this is a life passage for me. Because this is, this is how we, we can reflect And we can ask ourselves, God, what do I need to do to become the person you created me to be? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God, this book right here, is alive and powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword cutting between soul and spirit. It cuts between it all. Between joint and marrow, it exposes our innermost thoughts, and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. Now, we could read that verse in fear, but we need to read that verse in a way that draws us closer to God. Because when we read the word of God, it exposes us for who we really are. It's a mirror to our innermost thoughts, our desires, our thought process, who we are, how we're acting. God's word will help us figure out where we need to be in life and meet where he wants us to be. Does that make sense? Here's here's the thing, too. That passage right there can create something that we call a come-to-Jesus meeting. Anybody ever have one of those? Sometimes it's your boss. Hey, we're going to have one of these come-to-Jesus meetings. They're usually not good, but this is a good one. That passage is what I use to say, God, am I on the right track? Like the vision that I believe you gave me for the church, the, the, the things that you're asking that I believe you're asking me to do. Am I on the right path? Am I doing things the way I should be doing? Because here's the thing. Our life will get turned around when we allow God's word to show us who we really are. If we tense up and we close up and we put the walls up when we read a verse like this, that's a great indication that you need to allow that verse to reveal who you are to yourself and allow God's Holy Spirit to to do his work it's a process this whole thing we're talking about is a journey and it's a process with God listen listen to this here's Paul's Saul's come to Jesus meeting in Acts chapter 9 so this is his conversion when we ask Jesus into our lives here's where Saul's head was at Acts chapter 9 verse 1 Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. Now, I read the Bible for what it is, right? I know there's Greek and there's ways that we can kind of dissect stuff, but let's just read this for what it is. Does this sound like a guy who's losing it? I mean, for real, like, uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. I think Saul's losing it here. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. These were Christians. At the the time, it was called the way, this movement of Jesus' followers. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. This is where Paul's mind is at. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Saul just had an encounter with Jesus. Man, what an encounter it was. I think everybody else around him was just probably like, whoa. (laughs) First of all, how many people in his entourage was like, I'm not feeling good about this. Saul's leading the the pack, uttering things under his breath, wanting to bring people back in chains. Yes, women too. Are you, I don't know. Well, well, we got to go. We're assigned to this mission. That's what Saul was doing. And then Jesus meets him. Now, here's the thing not all of us are going to have this experience where the, the heavens opened and a and voice from Jesus himself you know, appears out of nowhere, right? But we are going to have an experience nonetheless. There were nine people up here this morning that had an experience with Jesus. A, a real encounter with the creator, Jesus himself. They had an experience with him. Some of us may have a very powerful experience and some it may be kind of subtle. But it's an experience nonetheless that is undeniable. And that's what's most important about it. And then we begin changing on the inside with this desire to get to know Jesus more. To understand the word of God more. Everybody knew who Saul was. He had to go into hiding and learn about Jesus. And then think of this. Then he begins preaching Jesus. Imagine Saul preaches a sermon about Jesus, and someone comes up to him afterwards and goes, "Hey, you know, um, my family. You know, you you drug my parents out of their home. Did you know that?" He had to. You know, I think he 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 probably had to answer questions like that and engage in conversations like that because people, the Bible does say people wanted to know. Like, is this guy for real? Did this really happen? Do you know who this man is? And here's what I think. I think Jesus said, Paul, with all of your knowledge of the word of God, all of your knowledge of the religious side of God, I can use for you to usher in the grace and mercy of Jesus. Plus, I just don't like the way you're acting, so I'm going to use that zeal for my good. See, with Jesus, Paul is about to discover his true identity, his identity in Jesus. And so let's revisit his letter to the Galatians where he says, So I died to the law. I died to that. I stopped trying to meet all its requirements so that I might live for God. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. When these baptisms happen, they go down under the water, and it is symbolic of Jesus going into the grave. And they came up out of the water as new people, and that's all that sin and that stuff that was in their lives. When I pull the plug, it's going to go down that drain later on today. Gone. And that's what happened with Paul. I stopped trying to meet all the requirements of religion that I felt I needed to meet, Paul says. The requirements that were causing him to become a different person. The requirements that were causing him to miss out on his identity. Now, real quick, when Jesus came to earth, he did not come to do away with the law. If that was the case, then we would only read about this much of the Bible because that's the New Testament. Somewhere around in there right here right here look at the old testament look how much is old testament if jesus came to do away with this then why do we still find it valuable to read and learn from jesus came to fulfill the law and everything in the old testament now we don't do the sacrifices anymore because jesus is our ultimate sacrifice People like to, to make the argument, too, like, you know, the shellfish and the things we're eating. Well, Jesus said whatever goes into a person's body is not what makes them unclean. It's what comes out of their heart. Jesus said in Matthew 22 that, the, that, that uh, the law of the Old Testament and all the demands of the prophets in here is based on this, loving God with all your heart, mind, and soul and loving your neighbor as yourself everything in here is based on relationship with god first and then those around us and we can learn that in the old testament everything when we put our faith in jesus then we say you know what i can adhere to some of this stuff i like this i can adhere to the laws of god because jesus has made me a new person there's this little thing called the 10 commandments. Do we follow the 10 commandments? We do. Why? Because it just seems morally right. So we try to adhere to the 10 commandments. So that's just a quick one there. So so here's the deal. Paul was so focused on fulfilling the law that he took it too far in his quest to measure up to God's standards. But now, his true identity is coming to life. And it comes from the inside out. It's no longer external. It's no longer performance-based. See, everything about the Word of God, everything about our relationship with Jesus has to do with our heart. Where's our heart at in all this? Where's my heart at with the way I I act and, and react and interact with others? Where's my heart at with Jesus? If He's calling me to do something, am I resistant or am I like, I'm in, I'm all in? See, Paul says, It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live on this earth, in this earthly body, trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. This right here is the beginning of discovering our identity in Jesus. And then, Look what Paul writes to the church in to the Philippians. He said in verse 6, I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church, and as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. Now he's being honest about things, right? But then he says, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. Paul now is so zealous to be with Jesus. When you read some of his letters, all he wants to do is be with Jesus. He wants to share with Jesus his death and resurrection on the cross because he wants to be with Jesus. That's how radically his life was changed because of Jesus. I think he was losing his sanity, uttering things under his breath, killing people, dragging women and, and men back and changed so he could persecute them because of their love for Jesus. And then Jesus says, dude, you got it all wrong. <laughs> and I'm gonna rock your world that's what he did and some of us that's what happens with us and we change from the inside out this is what it feels like to be free to no longer live based on the opinions of others to no longer live searching for constant validation and the need to measure up It's—it's. we, we, we all want to be validated, right? I mean, it feels good to be... Comp- there's, there's a difference between seeking validation and compliments. Like, I want compliments. But you know what? I want Jesus to be proud of me more than anything. A, a hundred compliments in five minutes is, is nothing compared to Jesus saying, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what I want to hear when it's all said and done with. And while I'm living my, my time here on this earth, I will do my best to please Jesus. Why? Because he saved my life. That's why. That's why we do what we do. And then we're no longer bound to a performance-based identity that seeks to elevate ourselves above all others. But we trust in God's Holy Spirit who now lives inside of us. We trust in Jesus. Everything else else is worthless compared with the infinite value of knowing Jesus. Jesus is now the number one priority in Paul's life. Jesus is where his freedom is found. He's no longer bound to the law that he was placing his identity in. And then look what Paul says, we will be in our identity in Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 8. Paul says, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, fears nor today's worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is freedom. To know that nothing can harm me in the spirit realm, in the earthly realm, anywhere. Because to know Jesus is the most important thing in life. Church, that is freedom. That is freedom. Spiritual freedom. This is what breaks chains in our lives. You know, some of us are walking around constricted with chains around us. And it's affecting who we are. We don't think it is, but it is. And we too, like Paul, should be convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love that is revealed in Jesus. And how do we know this? Because he proves it to us day in and day out. He proves it to us. So, in closing... Where is our confidence in life coming from? Where is our self-worth, our meaning in life coming from? Is it the externals, the performance-based system we have set up that feeds our emotions and and our self-worth and then ultimately our identity? Or is it the internal, knowing that God's Holy Spirit lives inside of us? knowing with confidence that Jesus gave his life for us and that in him nothing can separate us from God's love. It is in this unconditional love in Jesus that we live out the journey of discovering our identity that has been waiting for us long before we were born. Amen? Let's pray. I thank you, Jesus, the fact that you saved You saved Paul from himself so that you could use him to teach us your grace and your mercy. The man wrote most of the New Testament with your help. And for that, I am eternally grateful. So God, we just give this day to you. We give our lives to you. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.